So with the practice, we try to do it, to cultivate our minds every day until it's something that's natural for us to do. We offer food um, and then listen to the Dhamma, bringing our hearts to peace. And when we hear teachings of truth with a calm mind, uh, then we contemplate that, seeing into the nature of anicca, dukkha, anatta, and constancy, stress, and not self, in all things. And we carry on doing this day after day. But even though we may uh, do it consistently, nothing special may arise for a time. But after a while, after constant practice, one day we will meet with a peaceful mind, a mind that comes together and clarity arises, seeing into the nature of conventions that before we had never observed. Even though this samuti convention has always been here and vimuti liberation has always been present, uh, we just haven't been able to see it previous. And just like if someone, even though they have eyes, um, their eyes aren't good, they're not functioning, they're blind, then they won't be able to see. So the eyes of the flesh, it's like that. If they're not working, they'll just be darkness. But if we can open up our eyes of Dhamma, then we'll see the truth. Because the nature of all things already is to be inconstant, stressful, and not self. That's how they always have been. There are some people who believe that since the Buddha has passed away into found Nibbana, there are no enlightened beings in the world. There are no arahants. And that... Um, and because there are no awakened beings present, then they have to find the path to truth all by themselves. They don't believe in anyone else's teachings. But this is just like someone who is blind and trying to see. And you can make a comparison. Let's say there was a great doctor who uh, was very skilled and say that physician passed away, does that mean that the knowledge of medicine passes away with him? That knowledge is still there. The subject uh, of medicine still exists in the world, and if people study it, then they'll reach that knowledge for themselves. And so the knowledge of Dhamma um, is still present, it's not that it's died. And the true Buddha is still here because he is present in the Dhamma. Whoever uh, sees the Dhamma will see the Buddha. There was one monk who uh, got great delight in seeing the Buddha's body and being close to the Buddha physically. There was great joy that arose in him uh, through this. But he also had delusion. He was lost in physicality and mentality. When he was close to the Buddha, his heart was full. 
and he had quite deep samadhi. So uh, he was able to experience great joy uh, just from the Buddha's presence. But he needed to be around the Buddha. And when he was far away from the Buddha, then he started getting sad and depressed. He wanted to be close to him. So the Buddha taught him to not attach that sankharas, conditioned phenomena, are inconstant, they're unstable. And through this teaching, wisdom arose in his heart. He was able to uh, see into truth and attain arahantship. So when we gain knowledge in our minds, uh, this happens due to our barami being full. It requires us to have put in a lot of efforts uh, previous to that awakening. Just as if we are to start a fire or to produce a spark, um, that requires great effort. We have to rub two fire sticks together for a long time. Or to find water in the ground, we have to dig uh, for many, many days to get there. And so... Taking our hearts out of suffering depends upon the efforts that we put in. Therefore, we must try, we must endeavor and set our hearts on this practice. Just like the people who have come to the monastery today, and many offer food every single day, no matter what the weather is. Even if it's raining hard, they still come because they are thinking of the Buddha, they miss the Buddha. So they come to the monastery to pay homage to the Buddha, the Dhamma, the Sangha. When we do this, we're cultivating an internal wealth. And this wealth that comes from uh, goodness, that comes from hearing the teachings. So we also have uh, external wealth as well, and we use that uh, to take care of ourselves, to look after our families, and if we have children, to look after them. But this internal wealth is something that's very important, that arises from our virtue, from generosity, and from listening to the Dhamma, from developing peaceful, collected states of mind. It's something that's truly ours because it can't be taken by anyone else. If we cultivate it, we practice in the right way, then we gain this internal wealth. So it's intelligent uh, for us to do this, and those with wisdom will be intense on in seeking out this inner wealth, this Arya Sap, which is a wealth that's far away from enemies. So floods and fires, other kinds of disasters, these are the enemy of our wealth. And it's able to destroy external wealth, but it can't touch the wealth of our hearts. No one can take it away. No thief can steal it because it's within our own hearts. So now we have the opportunity uh, to cultivate this noble wealth. We should do that. We should use that opportunity as best we can. Even if we just have brief periods through the day of five minutes or ten minutes, we use that to establish our mindfulness and bring our hearts to peace, to make sati continuous, 
so that our samadhi becomes firm and wisdom arises. This wisdom comes up together with firm samadhi. And if our hearts are stable, still, and peaceful, then we will understand uh, the truth of nature. We'll see into the nature of the world. When our minds proliferate, they're always thinking about issues of self. They take everything personally. Say we see a glass, and the mind may think that it's either big or small, but really it's neither of those things. If that glass is sitting there by itself, it's neither big nor small, but if we take another glass and put it next to it, then the mind starts giving rise to these conventions of comparison. But this is just proliferation that happens in the mind. And if our hearts are peaceful, then we'll see the mind proliferating uh, as it happens. And knowledge arises. Knowledge comes up within our hearts, seeing that that's just what happens, that all of these things arise from internal proliferation. If we haven't seen it clearly before, it's because our minds are lacking peace. Uh, But when they have peace, then we'll understand this uh, with great clarity. Our minds become empty. And we see all things are of the nature to degenerate, to disintegrate, to eventually separate out. All the energy of things in this world uh, disperses. So we know about atoms, and these are formed uh, with uh, electrons, protons, and neutrons. But when we separate those out, there's nothing there. There's just emptiness, and all things are empty. If we see in a very profound level, we'll understand that the entire universe is composed of emptiness. When we contemplate in this manner, the mind will become liberated, Uh, Through that reflection, knowledge arises, the mind turns empty. It's something that's very amazing. This gnosis and clear seeing comes up in the heart. We see into the nature of truth. But this understanding arises in just a single moment. Light is born, wisdom is born, knowledge is born in the Dhamma of the Buddha. And the faith that we had before becomes unshakable. And through this clear seeing, through the arising of wisdom, through our continuous practice to go against the defilements. So therefore, now that we have the time to practice, we should use that and be intense on uh, giving our time uh, the most value that we can, trying to abandon all unskillful things and not getting caught up and lost in news because there's so much information, so much news these days. And if we look at it all, we won't have any time left. But our time has great value for us. 
So we just look at the news enough to get an idea of what's going on, uh, but not go through it in great detail. Because this news is not able to relieve the suffering in our heart. It may be necessary living in society to have some idea of current events, uh, but we know a sense of balance, of enoughness in that. And don't view it so much that it causes our hearts to become unstable and upset but rather put our emphasis on the practice, on contemplation, on bringing the mind to peace. When we see into the nature of conventions and experience liberation, then we'll truly understand the great goodness of the Buddha. We'll see that the Buddha really is limitless. The Dhamma and the Sangha are really limitless. Apamano Buddha, Apamano Dhammo, Apamano Sangho. The faith that we already have becomes stronger, more powerful. And our hearts then fill up with joy and give rise to this great inner wealth. And we see the benefits of the practice uh, that we have done up until now. So when we have external wealth, we use that in good ways, in ways that give benefits to ourselves and to others. We give to those who are in need, we're charitable. And we also keep a portion for ourselves to take care of our bodies in times of sickness, to look after our family. But always using this wealth uh, in a way that's devoted to goodness, to benefit. It shows that we have hearts that are imbued with kindness and compassion, uh, with love and care for ourselves and for others. And this is the heart of a bodhisattva. And there may just be a small bodhisattva at the moment. But if we act in this way, then we fill up with joy and happiness. Some people may tell us that we're giving away too much, um, that we shouldn't be so generous. We should keep some more for ourselves. But we just want to help others. We see people in difficult situations and we want to give them a helping hand. But we also have a sense of proportion in that as well, that we don't harm ourselves through this giving. We don't harm others as well, but rather we are helpful to both ourselves and to others. Numpur Chah once said that uh, for people who go and release uh, fish or cows that are destined uh, to be slaughtered otherwise, but they buy them and release them, that's very good and it's um, a very beneficial thing to do. But are we able to buy all of the cows in the world, all of the fish in the world, to release them all? No matter how much money we have, we just couldn't do that. And so when we have the energy to do these things, we do them. But we also know that there's limitations uh, to our goodness 
to what we're able to do to help other beings. We may see some frogs uh, that are in the market and we buy them, release them, giving them back their lives. This brightens up our hearts. It also uh, gives us more incentive to not kill other living beings. Because we understand that the pain that we receive in our bodies, the various illnesses that we develop, this comes from having harmed beings in the past, from having caused pain and shortening the lives of other beings. And that's what gives rise to our sickness. So therefore we understand that illnesses that come up are illnesses of kamma, of our previous actions. So we try to uh, refrain from harmful acts and create good karma uh, from now on. We offer alms food, we uh, create goodness in many different ways and do this a lot, cultivating our parami of metta, of kindness. There was one man who uh, worked in Japan uh, in a factory. And as a child, he enjoyed breaking the legs of crabs. Uh, he would find them and uh, snap their legs. And so when he was working in this factory, uh, there was once an, an accident one day, and his arms got caught in the machine and they were cut off. He understood that this was his karmic debtors coming back uh, to settle old scores. But this had arisen due to his own previous bad deeds. So when we understand the law of karma with clarity, we'll know this for ourselves in our own hearts. And we'll try to create as much good karma as possible and abandon all bad karma. And the faith that we have strengthens uh, through that knowledge. We bring up wisdom as much as possible, understanding the nature of reality and perceiving the true goodness, the great and beautiful qualities of the Buddha. This will bring tears to our eyes if we uh, truly understand um, just how great the qualities of the Buddha are. Light pours into our hearts we see the nature of arising, persisting, and ceasing. We understand that everyone must grow old, uh, must get sick, and must die, and we're moving closer and closer towards our demise with every passing day. We may see this uh, in a very profound way, and understand that it's like we're all trapped in a house that's caught on fire. We feel like we need to find the way out. Another comparison may be that if we're stuck in a city that was rampant with COVID, that almost everyone in that city had uh, contracted COVID. And we knew that if we stayed longer there, then we would have to get it for sure. That in staying, we 
would, with every passing moment, come closer to our death. This would give us the energy to find the way out of that city in order to survive. So we find a path out. We see that all people are moving closer to death. That the house we're living in has caught on fire. The old age, sickness and death are closing in on us steadily. So we try to find a way out. Seeing the danger in the cycle of birth and death, in old age, sickness and death, uh, we develop goodness as much as we can. So this recollection on the danger in the cycle of samsara gives us faith to develop goodness. But we need to make sure that this recollection doesn't cause us to become depressed. Rather, it gives us the incentive to give alms food, to be charitable, to listen to the Dhamma, to not just get lost in social media, but rather use our time with intelligence, to have wisdom in how we manage our lives, how we use our time. So I ask for all of you to try your best, to train your lives uh, with this time that you have left. To practice uh, lifting up the level of our mind until we see into the Dhamma. And this insight, it just takes one moment for it to come about, but it gives us great joy. Our hearts fill up and we see the Buddha. We understand that Truly, the Buddha is still here. So may you all be intent on this practice and may you grow in blessings.